0: I want to take just a moment, I think, we'll see, and I want to talk about last week. And for a few who weren't here, I'll just I'll quickly summarize for you. Uh, I had multiple thoughts all week long on what to preach on, and I wrestled with some of them, and I'd work on one and then it wouldn't be right, so I'd go a different direction and that wouldn't be right, and I put together, if you will, a sermon and then got here and That clearly wasn't right. I didn't know what to do at all. So I stood up and did the only thing I knew to do, which was just preach. And I didn't think I did a very good job. And I said as much when it was over. And I want to talk about that for just a minute. I believe, and I think is scripturally and Sometime we should cover this again. I won't point out specific scriptures, but I believe that the duties and responsibilities of a preacher are different than other teaching roles and other other things. In fact, I believe that a pastor and a preacher specifically is called by God and told to do certain things, specifically to proclaim His Word. And there's, again, we could cover a, a long explanation of how that occurs and when it occurs. I've told you my testimony of when I was called to preach in 2012. But the primary thing that it involves is proclaiming the Word of God, right? sharing the good news and the gospel as we have it recorded in the Scripture. And to do that, I feel very confidently, both by the Scriptures and by experience, that in order to do that correctly, I am to be led by the Holy Spirit to say, and do the things that I'm supposed to do. Now, that doesn't mean I do it perfectly. It doesn't mean that everything that I say, and probably even anything that I say, well, none of what I said actually becomes Scripture, right? There's a difference. But I am to be obedient and rely on the Lord to help guide me through the Spirit of God into what I'm supposed to share with you this week. And sometimes it changes from day to day. Sometimes it changes the moment I stand up here. But I'm to be obedient to that. So i to follow the Spirit and what I do. And sometimes, as I've expressed, and those of you who know me well, know, I'm in, um, I have a hard time getting out of my own head, deciding what it is that I want to tell you and what the Lord wants to tell you. And sometimes I have to struggle with that. And sometimes it's hard to know the difference. So I was very unsettled last week. Landed on Psalms 119 because it had been on my heart all week as far as, I think it was more to to me. So when I finished with whatever it was that I preached on last week, I made probably the mistake of apologizing for it. And I criticized myself. And then... Perhaps the youngest Christian by spiritual age walked right up to me and said, I don't like it when you say that because it wasn't true. What this person was talking about is not anything that I preached on, but it was my self-condemnation at the end. And they were right. They were very right. Because here's the summary. And this is going to apply to me and it's going to apply to you too. We are solely called to be obedient to what God tells us to do and nothing else. So when we fulfill that obedience, when we do what God tells us to do, whether we understand it, whether we like it, whether we're satisfied with it, whether it went the way that we think it's supposed to go, it doesn't matter because God through His Spirit, gives the increase, if there is any, based on our obedience. That's all we're called to do is to be obedient. I'm not called to spend hours crafting and picking words to make it just right. I'm called to be obedient to Him, to be obedient to what He's told me to do, which is to preach the gospel. And the rest of it is not up to me and is not in my power to change it. So I was left Sunday with a couple of thoughts. Did I fail? Did I fail to preach the sermon I had planned? Yep. But so what? Because that was me, not God. Okay. Did I fail to be ready and prepared? No. I tried as best I could all week to determine what I was supposed to do. Did I fail in obedience? Nope. I still stood up here as God told me to. I still read His Word, and I still proclaimed it. Did I fail by taking the focus away from the Lord and turning it back toward me? Yeah. I messed that one up. What's really funny is I just got done preaching a sermon about not taking our eyes off of Christ, and then I did it myself at the end, right? So I'm not perfect either. So why do I tell you this? Because I'm thankful for you and your encouragement. I'm thankful that you will help me when I need help and tell me when I need to be told things. I'm telling you because I think sometimes it's good to see a real example, right? It's good to, good to hear that. I'm telling you because some of you have the same internal struggles as I do. We want to make something perfect. We want to be in control of the outcome. We want to be in control. I'm telling you to remind you and us that it's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about you. And boy, is that hard in our culture today, right? Everything's about me. I'm telling you to remind you and to encourage you to be obedient to Him. I want to read Exodus chapter 19. I think through verse 7. Chapter 19 in Exodus, verse 7. As you're turning, just a bit of reminder the Hebrews have been released by amazing means from slavery in Egypt. Amazing miracles that occurred. They set out on their journey. In fact, God allows them to plunder the land. People will just give them everything they owned and their gold and their treasure to get out. And they left and they went on this journey. They've crossed the Red Sea where they saw the army drown behind them. And They come to Mount Sinai. Where God is prepared to speak to them. And this is an account of what happened in Exodus chapter 19. It says, On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. And they set out from Rephraim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain, while Moses went up to God. Now listen closely. The Lord called to him out of the mountain saying, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. And Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words the Lord had commanded them. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. I'll pause there. Now, I'm reading this because I think it makes abundant sense to recall. This is the desire of the Lord to have a relationship with us. And here he has rescued people out of bondage. He is taking them to a better place. And his desire is to dwell with them, to know them and for them to know him. And he tells them in so many words what Moses is supposed to tell them. So this is the direct message from Moses to the Israelites. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. If I can take a bit here, this is a wonderful reminder that none of what we get from God is because we deserve it. None of what we get from God is because we've earned it, but simply because He has done it for us. And a reminder again to myself and to us that it has almost nothing to do with my effort and everything to do with His. And if you go back and look through the story, the account rather, of them leaving Egypt, you see time and time again, it had nothing to do with Moses himself, but instead to do with the power of God. was it wasn't Moses who turned the rod into a serpent. It wasn't Moses who turned the Nile into blood. It wasn't Moses who killed all the firstborn. Each and every single one of those were the acts of God. Now, God used Moses to do that because he was obedient to God. See, that is the lesson that we should learn here. And then he goes on and says, now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all people for all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests a holy nation is that what we desire i hope so i hope we desire to be the holy possession of god himself who made everything who could choose and do what he wants to to anyone righteously and he has chosen us to be his special possession If you have been saved by God's grace, then you are a royal priest who gets to worship God, his special possession. And all he's asking for us in return is to what? To be obedient. He's the one who gives the increase. He's the one who gives the blessing. We are his treasured possession. Of all people for all the earth, because all the earth belongs to him. Now, therefore, if you will indeed only obey my voice and keep my commandments. See, God wants us to be obedient. Well, obedient to what? Well we'll get there in just a minute. Before you do, let me read a couple of other verses real quickly. John 14 and 21, I'll just read this one verse. It says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. You ever want to be closer to the Lord? Be obedient to him. You ever wanted to know what choice you should make, which direction you should go? Then Be obedient to Him because He will manifest or make His presence known to you, you see. So this is vitally important if we want to obey the Lord. We must know what it is that He wants us to do. And to do that, we have to obey Him and not only follow the commands, but to actually love Him in a way that we ought to. And too many times we fail to do that. And so it's not made clear to us what we should do or where we should go. Now, let me read real, real quick one more example out of this. I'll be here for just a second. Luke six forty six. This is a common Sunday school story, if you will. Luke 6 and 46. Talking about building a house on the rock. Well, who is that rock? Well, it's Jesus Christ. Luke six forty six says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you to? And then he goes on and says, "Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock and when a flood arose the streams broke against that house and it could not shake it because it had been well built but the one who hears and does not and does not I'm sorry but the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who builds on the ground without a foundation when the stream broke against it it immediately fell and the ruin of that house was great and so let's unpack this for just a moment because again many of us have heard this in different points in our lives especially this is a great story we have sunday school and vbs songs about this the wise man built his house upon the rock well who is that rock again well it's jesus christ You see, we have been given whatever time we have while we are here and whatever we have that we are given. And we have an opportunity to build our lives on something that lasts and something that matters so that when the hard times come, it doesn't just get completely destroyed. You see, I have to lay the foundation of my life on who and what Jesus Christ is. I must be obedient to him. I cannot go and build on another foundation that is unsure and any other foundation is unsure. If you are not building your life on the rock of Jesus Christ, then you are building your life on something that will not withstand the moment of trial. And it even says the ruin of that house was great. As we heard in a testimony this morning, How do people do this in life? It doesn't mean that just because I build my house on Jesus Christ that I'm obedient to Him that nothing will ever happen to me, does it? No. But what it means is that when I put my faith on Him, when I'm obedient to Him, when I'm structuring and organizing my life on top of who He is and I'm obedient to Him, that when the hard times come, He will be there with me and I can look unto Him doesn't mean I'll always enjoy the trials. Many of you can speak very specifically about some phenomenal, I don't mean good, trials that you've had in your life. Maybe more so, or I definitely know some of you more so than I can. But as we heard this morning, where would we be without the peace and the hope that comes only from God because we're obedient to Him? But perhaps often missed when we give this story to young children is the very beginning. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you to? You see, there is a phenomenal story of obedience right here at the beginning that we get maybe skip over real quick to talk about building the house on the rock. We are to be obedient. And if you're going to call him Lord, then you should do what it is that he tells you to do. You see, this is vitally important. We must do what it is that He tells us to do if we're going to call Him Lord. One last example and I'll conclude. 1 Samuel 15 and 22. 1 Samuel 15 and 22. Sometime early after I started preaching, I remember reading this verse and it just struck me. I just read it over and over again and and I've preached on this general theme a couple of times. 1 Samuel 15 and 22. Now, real quick, I'll set this up because, again, I don't have a whole sermon to talk about it. Saul has been made king of Israel. There wasn't supposed to be a king. God was supposed to be the king. But the people demanded it. They wanted it. They were jealous. In fact, the scriptures said they wanted to be like every other nation. Which, if you go back to Exodus, right... Does every nation get to have God personally living in their camp? No. Is every nation get to be the priests of the almighty God? No. But they wanted to look like every other nation. And so they demanded a king. So God said, fine, I'm going to give you a king, but you're not going to like it. He's going to send your sons to war. He's going to tax you. He's going to do all kinds of horrible things. And they said, nevertheless, we want it. So we gave him Saul. And Saul disobeyed the Lord and that's what we are finding here he was about to fight a battle and samuel the prophet was supposed to come and give the blessing and samuel wasn't coming at the right time and saul got impatient and saul got worried that all of my entire army is going to vanish and how will we ever fight this enemy see saul wasn't being obedient he did not have the faith set where it should be. He was looking around at the things of the world and worried about the worldly things and not trusting in the Lord to do what God said he was going to do and not obeying him despite what it might cost him. And Saul began to realize, if I don't do something, all these people are going to leave. At least that was his thought. And so he tells Samuel he forced himself to make the sacrifice that he wasn't legally authorized to do. And about the time it's all over, but still in time, Samuel comes and says, what is going on? Saul had a series of very significant issues. They fight the battle and Saul wins. And Saul was told a second thing destroy everything all the animals nothing is to be left it's that way with sin too give me just a second to mention this it's that way with sin in our lives we must get rid of all of it time and time again we see in the old testament this example of where they're supposed to completely remove something we are to do the same thing in our lives when we have sin that is what makes us obedient We don't just like say, well, I know this area, I have sin in my life, something like 10% less. No, you're supposed to get rid of it. It's not supposed to be among you. It is supposed to be completely removed. If you've been reading through the Old Testament or the scriptures with us this year, I think this point was made and we got to some of the things about mold. You can't let that spread. You have to completely wipe it out. It's the same with the sin that's in your life. You have to completely remove it. And so the order was, go in, fight this battle. Saul didn't wait like he was supposed to, but the Lord still blessed him. And he had all these animals left over. And He thought, you know, I know God said that we should destroy all of them, but it'd be better to, to sacrifice all of them to him and to keep some of them. And so Samuel shows up again after the battle and confronts Saul. And so that's the backstory to where we Puck up here in 1 Samuel 15. We'll start with verse 22. And Samuel said, Has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption, As is as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the lord he has rejected you from being king so here's the summary of what we're trying to learn here today i have tried to lay out for you how important it is to be obedient whether it seems to make great sense or not is to be obedient and to do what it is that God is telling you to do because He is the one who is responsible for any increase that comes from it. He is the one who is big enough and strong enough to handle anything that comes. I am simply to lay my life on His bedrock to be obedient to what He has told me to do and when the waves crash against it, it's up to Him to help. But over and over again, I try to do God favors. I somehow think that I can do this better than he or I can do it without his advice or without his insight, even seemingly the good things. So Saul thought, well, I'll take all these animals and we'll have a great sacrifice to God. And Samuel shows up and says, I don't think so. Better than sacrificing for God, better than giving your time, let's make this modern, better than giving your money, Better than serving the Lord in Sunday school or as a teacher. Better than doing any of these things is to simply be obedient to God. Because out of obedience comes all the other things, you see. Then we do it right and then we trust the Lord to follow after. This is so important and so fundamental that we have to repeat it over and over again. Has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice. I could go out and sacrifice great things. I could give away all my money, I could give away all my time, I could give away everything that I own. And if I don't obey in obedience, then I've done absolutely nothing. You know who else this was true for? Jesus Christ. (laughs) Philippians 2.8 says, In being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Let me read that again. Philippians 2.8. In being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, even Jesus Christ had to be obedient to the Father. And He was obedient to the Father. And because of His obedient obedience, we can have forgiveness of all of our disobedience. See, this is the beauty that we have here. It is not up to me. I cannot be good enough to ever earn God's favor. I can only receive God's favor when I put my faith in him because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, who was obedient while he walked on this earth, who had every opportunity to sin and never did. Who could have, as the scripture seems to Tell us, had called down thousands of angels to keep him from being crucified, yet he was obedient to his Father for me. And we are called to be obedient to him. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So my question for us today is, are you being obedient? I know I have finished preaching with this question here multiple times before. But we'll ask it again. Obedient in what? Obedient in everything. And that's really hard. That means that sometimes even though we had great plans for what we're going to do for the Lord, that's not up to me. It's like Saul had great plans of a huge sacrifice to honor God. That's not what God wanted. It's not what God had commanded. Sometimes I come in here with great plans to preach a sermon. That's not what he wants. Sometimes I just have great plans for my own life. And it's not what he wants. So, what does he want? I'm glad you asked. My favorite verse that I found while working night shift on a small Baptist college in one of the smallest, oldest buildings we had, a little tiny plaque. And I remember seeing it late at night and thinking, I don't remember hearing that one before. He has shown thee, O oh man, what is good. What does God desire of you? But to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Micah 6.8. That's it. He's already shown us what we're supposed to do. He's already told us what we're supposed to do. Love him with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind to love others as ourselves and to love the world to Christ. That theme has been recurring in my life over and over again. Why? Because it is the only theme. Those were the words I heard the night that I was saved. I remember specifically reading this verse, what probably wasn't the first time, but the first time the Spirit revealed it to me in an important way. I remember sitting down here on this pew after everyone had gone one day, And thinking to myself, when I first started pastoring here, what on earth am I supposed to do now? And the answer came in the most clear form that I've heard one in a long time. Just love Jesus. And God takes care of the rest. It's not up to me how many of you are here today. It's not up to me how many of you come back tonight although I really wish you would. It's not up to me whether you're saved or not. I really wish you were. It's not up to me to have the most polished and pristine sermon that I possibly can. It's not up to me to take care of the business meeting in a week. It's up to me to be obedient to what God tells me to do. And the rest of it is up to Him. That should be our singular goal and focus, is to be obedient to Him for what He's already told us to do. And then on occasion, He will be more specific. And sometimes tell some of us exactly what we're supposed to do or not to do. And then we have to be obedient again. Obedience is learned at some point in life, but it's never mastered. We'll never master it. And if you were to look back over history and think of the Christian men and women who stand out the most, it's because they've come closer than we have to mastering it. They're still not masters, but they've gotten closer. And so my question to you today is, are you being obedient? Is there some type of sin in your life that's festering and causing you problems? Then be obedient and seek the Lord to help remove it. If you've never been saved, then be obedient if the Lord is calling to you and deal with him. Go to him and repent, seeking salvation. If the Lord is telling you to do something else, then be obedient to it. Maybe He's telling you to go to someone else who is here and tell them something. I don't know. If that's what you're supposed to do, then you should do it. If you're supposed to stay in your seat, then stay in your seat. If you're supposed to sing a song or share a testimony, then you must be obedient to it at all times and in all ways, whether you like it or not. I've mentioned this before. I don't particularly condone it unless you're being obedient. I've been interrupted in a sermon before with somebody who had to share something, and it was right. The flip side of this is the, maybe the question we should ask is, what are you being disobedient in? And I pray today that the Lord would reveal to you and to me where we are disobedient to bring us in alignment with Him. And if you've never, ever been saved, then you're disobedient. Because you can't be obedient to someone that you don't recognize. You cannot be obedient to someone who is an enemy. And the Bible tells us there's one of two camps. You either know him and are his, or you are God's enemy. And therefore disobedient to the one who made you.